Hey guys, it's Steph. Hi guys, it's Lisa. Today we're going into episode two. We're going to do an episode today called Can Houseplants Fill the Void? Can Houseplants Fill the Void? Of millennial existential dread yeah. that's commonly experienced. That we all feel, especially during Dead times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, botany. Botany is the overarching theme today. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be about all aspects of botany, houseplants and evermore. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go so much deeper. And again, as per <clears throat> episode one, we realised that what we thought was botany was not <laughs> botany, which seems to be a common theme. Yeah. That we're like, oh, God, let's get right into this topic. Right. Turns out it's a totally different field, so mm-hmm. we'll unpack that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Once again, going down the science kind of route. Yeah. More so than just the general opinion piece. Yeah. But, hey, it's all good. Yeah, it's good I mean. To learn. Lifelong look, learning. Lifelong learning is important and, um, Look, to be honest, with all of our listeners, our many, <laughs> our many listeners, um, you know, 60 views on um, on fucking Anchor. And growing. Not bragging, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's growing. It's really, actually, our graph is, like, exponentially dropping every day, oh, but no. whatever, it's fine. Because we've got no, we've got nothing on social media. That's how yeah. the youth respond. Yeah, that's true. We'll get Maybe there. they'll get there more with this houseplants, like, millennial so. buy-in topic. Yeah. Um, but, no... <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, to be purely honest to our listeners, we did attempt a, um, an, a previous episode too. However, with the state of coronavirus, yeah. it was over Zoom. Mm-hmm. We weren't happy with its crackly quality. Yeah. Um, we weren't able to talk over each with, over <laughs> each other, which was just so The key point of our friendship. Yeah, like, like shouting in agreement over each other. <laughs> yeah. And I think, yeah, we just, we couldn't be in the same place. So it was like... You know, a lot of that kind of raw emotion that we have mm. when that that electricity. It just wasn't Yeah, there. that's no banter. That's no banter. So we thought, yeah, we fuck it, it, we'll um, come back to it. Mm-hmm. So and this is that return. So this is us returning. But anyway, Great. yeah, so should we chat about our tawny, our tawny yeah. of the day? Tawny, So um, the one from today, because another heads up, the one that we each had last time when we tried to record that dodgy episode, yeah. it made us not only feel extremely warm, but it sent us both into like a deep coma-like slumber. Yeah, so. it was, I felt, it made me really hot, mm. like really, really hot. And I, it was too much, but we won't, we won't name names. We'll, um, yeah, that's true. Let that totally one about to. Yeah, But this just... one is a lot nicer. Steph, what is mm. it? What are we drinking? So we're on the Peter Lemon of the Barossa. <laughs> long name it's called the king it's a vintage 2002 which i mean i don't know that much about fortified wine but is that vintage does that mean it's 18 years old yeah oh i guess it's fortified of course yeah (laughs) ad ad after death yeah and just so we can be clear that this wine was made after the death of christ okay just to be clear okay um yeah so brossa valley South yeah, Australia, represent. Boo, boo, and boo, how's it boo. taste? Let me pour a little well, bit more. Well, um, I just let me refer to the back here. I'm oh, getting sorry. tones of brie, fresh walnut, <laughs> and fruit, which is something I just read off the label. What are, I um, can't pick it until it says what it is, and then you're like, oh my god, of course. Well, I can't pick it, but what I can tell you, what I noticed straight away, is that it is so much lighter than. The not named one we had last week yeah. or the week before. Tawny, that it's shall just, not be named. It's just mild. It's a mild tawny. 
Yeah, it is. It's not an obvious tawny. It's not an obvious tawny. That's oh, right. It's good shit, isn't it's, it? Um, mm. I don't want to say watery because that's not what it is, but it's no. it's like a nice, it's nice on the palate. Sits there. Sits, sits, there, there, sits there well. <laughs> sits there good, yes. Yeah, no, you know what? Since reading that label, I really am. It <clears> tastes like a straight up cheese platter to me. Don't you think? It tastes like a um um like a, a quince paste. Yes. Mm. Okay, so, so for yeah. all the listeners, <laughs> quince paste is what it tastes like. Mm-hmm. Um so that you can just feel like you're like in the room with us right now. So yeah, the king. Um the king by Peter Lemon mm-hmm. of the Barossa. Yeah. Get around it. Alright, six. So let's crack on. Let's do it. Okay, Steph, let's get into it. Could you please give us a description of what botany is? Yes, Lisa, I will absolutely <laughs> <Please>. do that. <laughs> Fucking do it already. We're asking for it. All right, I'm ready. So botany, it is basically plant science, Lisa. Mm-hmm. So plants, though, interesting, not encapsulating what I thought they did. So I thought a plant was like, okay, mushrooms, a plant, like, a, you know, a lily is a plant, mm-hmm. but algae, bacteria, and fungi are no longer classified as plants. Okay. Yeah. So that's like change. That changes the nature of our algae topic a little plants. bit. No. Oh. Which is interesting, isn't it? Like, so plant the the science of of all of this stuff. It originated as like okay, people trying to find a medicinal or herbal use for yeah. for plants, mm-hmm. which were at that time classified as like you know, anything that didn't move, basically. Okay. Literally, they, that's like, how they were classified. Like yeah. rocks. Yeah, pretty much. They were like, they, I mean, they didn't have time lapse, so they were just like, these fucking things don't move at all. Yeah, true. That's yeah. true. They wouldn't, yeah, they couldn't see, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that, and so from like in ancient Greece before, like in BC, BC times, mm-hmm. BC times, um, they really just cla- categorise things as being plants or animals based on, like, yeah, whether they moved or didn't move. Mm -hmm. And it's only really in the 60s that they they were separated into, like, algae, bacteria and fungi not being part of the plant Mm -hmm. life world. Okay. And that's because – so there was this dude, right, called Carl Linnaeus. He's Swedish. Linnaeus. Carl Linnaeus, our beautiful player. Our first player in the game. Number one. Number one seed. <laughs> Did you say number one seed? No, I said botany daddy. Oh, botany daddy. <laughs> yeah, he's botany daddy. So, <laughs> so Carl Linnaeus, botany daddy. I hate that word. I'm but sorry for that. We can I go with it. I regretted it as soon as I said yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep using it. It's fine. Just move along, please. Well, okay, so he started to to categorize things a little bit more mm-hmm. and he basically separated um he's created plant taxonomy which is basically the science of being able to name organisms and put them into a certain structure yeah okay um so that we can you know know which organisms are more closely related which ones um we can like pull out the ones that we want and find them really easily mm-hmm. and basically there's an order to it mm-hmm. so like at the base of the tree trunk, if you will, like if you think about it as a tree, okay. at the base of the tree trunk 
kind of like if you were thinking of it as a family tree, which would be right at the top of the family tree, the origins of the kingdom, and then another branch of that is the phylum, another branch is the class, then order, family, genus, and species. Genus. Yeah, mm-hmm. boy, you had that You had that research. Yeah. So animals get more or plants get more closely related as you move towards the outer branches of the tree right or down this hierarchy so like a species is like okay your your kingdom phylum class order family and genus are all the same yeah and your species is different damn bitchy related make sense kind of okay so it's like kind of complicated though okay so if you have like but i'm liking it if you have like (laughs) algae versus Bacteria, yeah, versus fungi, kind of same. All have a different kingdom, so oh, right, okay. they have three okay. different kingdom. tree trunks. Yeah, right. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure, Whereas sure. if you've got what's I don't even know a good example, but like two different types of algae. Okay. They on the same tree trunk. Yes. Yeah, same like tree. Kingdom. Same. All all the same. All the way up until the last little twig splits at the end. Oh, and okay. they're different just at that lower level. Right, okay. Okay, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, that, is that what, like, tell me if I'm wrong because I've done similar sort of research around this area and mm-hmm. our bloke, our beautiful Swede, um, Linnaeus, because mm. he classified, okay. was it him who classified genus or was it somebody else? I, I'm pretty no, sure he classified, he classified it. it. It was like the first use of like it being, it's not quite a family but it's not a species, it's in between. Yeah, exactly. And that's what genera, gen, gen, genus. Yeah. Genera yeah, the is plural. the plural noun. Yeah, girl. Yeah, I'm learning all this stuff. You um, is, yeah. And he also, like from what I found out, he published this book called The Species Plantarum, mm-hmm. which was just like this hardcore botany book which started mm. it all for everybody. And that was back in 1753. But later on people realised that actually his sort of classification system wasn't mm. perfect like it was because he was organizing plants based on their like reproductive parts the number of them which mm. has later been proved to be incorrect but his classification system in terms of like genus and like um you know it being in the place between family and species was still correct it was just like uh, his like science wasn't wasn't perfect in regards to like classifying what's each up thing. with these founding fathers getting obsessed with like sex and genitalia i don't know like, freud was like that well too. he was obsessed with it too yeah so i hope they were bros except freud was i think alive like literally hundreds of years after this dude but yeah they, it sounds but like maybe, they would have been great mates sounds like they would have been really great mates like but... mind mind daddy and plant daddy yeah <laughs> oh no, 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 no. But Sorry. anyway, that's Sorry. Cool. what else what else? Well, um, so then I guess, you know, he, he was around, like you said, in like the seventeen hundreds. Yeah. And then it wasn't until the sixties that they really started to unpack this more. Mm-hmm. Um basically what makes a plant a plant now is that they are multicellular organisms. They make their own food by photosynthesis. Yes. Yeah, get it. And they have a cell wall that contains cellulose. So that's like the definition now. Anything that doesn't okay, meet that. it's not a plant. Yeah, it's like, bro, you're in a different kingdom. Mm-hmm. Get out of my kingdom. Kingdom. Um, I yeah, like that. It's good, isn't it? It's so really, powerful. For me, it like really solidifies that in my mind because I like to think in pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just imagine like <laughs> one castle with a huge wall yeah. versus another castle with a giant like wall yeah. around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, and so with the i guess botany and what that includes then we're talking about like ferns conifers i don't know what the hell they are but i'm just 
Yeah. Contact That's part of If the anyone list. knows, hit us up. Yeah, hit us up. Yeah. <laughs> in our Q&A section. We should bring that in. Um, <laughs> lichens, mosses, and flowering plants. I don't know if I said that already. I just want to know also, as my last point about, like, botany and mm-hmm. what it is, mm-hmm. that across in my studies of plants, I... I've realized that I came in with this view of like, oh, yeah, plants are chill. You know, you've got them in your house. They just kind of sit there. Mm-hmm. They're just hanging out, yeah. whatever. Like you see them in nature and they're just friendly bros that don't move too much. Actually, which we'll go into later, they are like fierce queens. Yes. Fierce. Yes. Not all, but a lot of plants in in a slower way or in a more insidious kind of subtle way are like just as brutal towards the environment or other living organisms than like a lion is charging at a fucking another lion does that make sense yes it does yeah yeah Yeah. i'm very excited to learn about the insidious nature of plants (laughs) yeah that's my main content all right, so where, so what's next? Um, famous botanists, I reckon, Lee. Famous botanists. So, look, there's a ton of white guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay, when I researched this, it was like, it's just like an onslaught of, like, fucking white guys mm-hmm, coming mm-hmm. at me like, you know, for example, Leo da Vinci. Yeah. He was a botanist. I mean, he's a good boy, though. He's a good boy, but also, like, I don't want to talk about him because... He does everything. Like he's yeah. had his he's had his time. Yeah. Um yeah. obviously um Carl Carl Linnaeus, Linnaeus yeah. was um a major player. He did a lot. Um a lady that I found out about was a lady named Marianne North and she was mm-hmm. from England. Mm-hmm. Um and I wanted to include her because she just seems like a you know a bad bee yeah. paving the way for other <laughs> ladies and other um, non-men, I suppose. So yeah. she was actually a biologist first and foremost and she was one of the first women to get really involved in uh, botany and botanical art and she would actually mm-hmm. travel the world to paint all the flora and fauna that she found. So awesome. she travelled through Australia, America, Asia and Africa and that was, like, over a period of 13 years and she created, like, oh. over 800 paintings and, and they're beautiful and super detailed and, like, That's like so they're just relics in, in you know, the, what's the word? The art world. In the art world and the botany awesome. world. And what she actually say that was? Um, she was, it was, like, she was kicking about with Charles Darwin. Oh, so geez. she would travel okay. with um, Charles Darwin um, when he was doing all of his, you know, hardcore yeah, stuff. So yeah, she was one of his shit. one of his mates. So yeah, he deserves a little shout out, I reckon. Charles. Charles, yeah, yeah. he was everywhere too. But yeah. again, like Leo, he, you know, he has his time. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. We know about you, boy. And yeah, what about you? Have you have have there been any notable ones that you've come across? Well, the one the one that I did have. So he's less historical, but more more current. <laughs> like very current. Like I'm talking 2020. <laughs> That's amazing, though, because I really wanted to find some cool as fuck, like, not that botanists aren't cool, but, like, some, like, you know, I wanted to find some kind of gritty botanist, but I couldn't. Yeah, So I'm glad you found someone. It's like if they do have wild personal lives, they're not the kinds to be super flamboyant or, like, you know, open about it. No. Botanists are very, they seem like very quite quiet and studious and steady people. Yeah, you'd have to be. Yeah, you have to be meticulous, Mm -hmm. but, um... So there's this dude, I just thought that this was almost like a cool entrepreneurial fact of this guy <laughs> that's just, I guess he's a botanist. Um, his name's David Sue. Mm-hmm. Um, he has thought of this, he's an Australian Sydney guy, he's thought of this amazing idea. 
it started because he had a dinner with a mate when he went to visit him in Queensland Mm -hmm. and the guy just in passing was like, oh, bro, I've been trying to move vanilla beans around like Papua New Guinea and I got ambushed, bruh. And the guy was like, oh, why is that? And he Mm -hmm. was like, oh, because they're in such high demand. People like literally rob you of vanilla beans over there. Oh, right. steal them off you on the street. Okay. So David left this meeting you know, brain ticking over, mm-hmm. and he thought, "Hmm, maybe I'll maybe I'll set some shit up so and thought, make some coin." He thought, There's a market here. Yeah, he There's was like, here. "Found my niche." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sounds like. And so he set up this massive greenhouse that he can control with his phone, mm-hmm. and he currently has sixty thousand dollars worth. Which I think it's kind of funny that he's like advertising that somewhere in Sydney. There's so like nobody knows a sixty thousand dollars worth vanilla bean greenhouse. No. So so he doesn't have like. Is it in, like, I imagine it to be, like, the CBD or the suburbs of, like, Sydney. And yeah. And it's, like, this fuck-off giant <laughs> yeah. greenhouse. Yeah. And, like, he's, like, nothing sauce. <laughs> like, just, like, yeah. advertising that I've got this greenhouse somewhere. It's, like, on one of those mansions on, like, the shore just across from Sydney Harbour that yeah. you can just see from the boats. Yeah. Um, no, I, you know, there's pictures of it in all the news articles they talk about it. So I think they know, they know like where it is. Oh, actually, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Um, but yeah, he's got so much vanilla bean growing there because each ton is worth, each kilogram's worth $600 and he has like more than a ton. Was he making bank or is he hoarding it? Well, I think he's just, from what I understood, he's started it recently enough that he hasn't sold any of it yet. Oh, but I thought okay. it was really crazy that he can control the growing conditions of the greenhouse and I was like wow that's going to be really interesting and paved the way probably yeah for people growing large amounts of um plants or like fungi or whatever in a controlled environment that can be controlled with like a smart device I'm actually really impressed with this this guy because like it mm. sounds like I mean wonder, I wonder what his background is because it sounds like he's absolutely crushed his very first attempt I imagine it's quite a difficult plant to grow. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. And he's just, what, this was in 2020 and it's, what, May? And he's already fucking... (laughs) And everybody else has had a fucked year and he's like, I'm sitting on a gold vine. (laughs) He's not stupid, that's for sure. (laughs) Can I just reiterate what she said? He's not stupid. Yeah, so no one misses David Sue. Yeah, Yeah. we got that. Um, But, yeah, no, (laughs) fucking impressive stuff. Really good. Yeah, this guy knows. Wish you all the best. Yeah, I actually, like, he sounds like a really positive dude, to be honest. Yeah, we need that. We need that. We need a bit of positivity. Yeah, good on you, bro. Yeah. So, speaking of plants, speaking of plants, um, I thought I'd take this opportunity to talk about a plant that I've known about for a long time, but I thought this is a good opportunity to actually learn about it and see what it's all about it's a plant called mm. the gimpy gimpy plant gimpy, and it's found gimpy. in north queensland obviously with mm. a name like gimpy gimpy of course it's found in queensland if you gave me a poll i'd be like it's a north queensland <laughs> <laughs> my some of my family from queensland are from a place called gimpy so really yeah but not double gimpy just gimpy that's bullshit no it's true really dead set oh dead set sick <laughs> don't don't do you doubt me no no no, no i believe you <laughs> but anyway back on track this plant um is a serious plant like the reason i heard about this plant initially was because it's called the horse killer the horse killer plant horse killer and it's known to drive horses mad and humans too but you know yeah. the folklore is that it, it has caused horses to jump off of cliffs because they've been in so much pain oh so God. you know obviously it's a 
plant that, you know, causes a lot of pain to people. Mm. And, and mainly it, horses. Namely horses, but also humans. But I guess oh. horses are such, you know, they're huge beasts. So, like, they're yeah. quite, you know, it's quite dramatic when they're, they're jumping off a cliff. Oh, oh. Yeah. Okay, wait. So this plant, this plant makes horses commit suicide. Essentially, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Well, that's the folklore anyway. Okay. So this was, like, from back in the day. So the first time it was ever documented was 1866 mm-hmm. by a road surveyor in North Queensland mm-hmm. who had told his boss that his horse had been stung by the gimpy gimpy plant, mm-hmm. which, by the way, its technical term is dentrosnide moroiders. Oh, If okay. anyone, you know. Moroiders map. <laughs> so he told his boss that the horse had been stung by this, had gone mad and had died within two hours. Oh, I mean, and did, be did like, he just lose the horse? Yeah, probably. It sounds like you make it, it sounds up? like a real like dog ate my homework excuse. Yeah, exactly. But no, little little did everyone know this plant was actually a real thing. Whoa. So this plant it has little hairs in it that actually break off into your skin. Cunning. And it gets really embedded in there, like really deeply. So it's very difficult to get these little hairs out. Oh, it reminds me of those cactus hairs. You yeah, but like it, it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like that, but even yeah. worse because they can stay in your skin for days, weeks, like months sometimes. And people have described the pain as being like, um, like electrocuted or like stung by a wasp or Ooh. like had acid thrown on them, but all at the same time. Like it's that oh, bad. Yeah. It's and that bad. So is, is it prolonged periods of feeling it gets that worse way. it gets worse and worse and worse and because you can't get it out straight away like you, i don't know how you get it out but it's it's really gnarly um so it gets worse over the time over time and people end up swelling and blistering and oh. all that stuff so p.s could i just note that this is what i meant in the intro about plants being fucking gnarly yeah they're crazy yeah i mean and particularly in you know, North Queensland. Like, yeah. why? Like, why is that necessary for a plant to develop that way? I, I guess. Know. I know. Everybody in Queensland away is just like or? smoking a diary and chilling out on their on their bloody veranda. Why yeah. do we need this? I mean, but this is an old country. Maybe a generalization. Yeah, I was going to say. Right? <laughs> this is an old old country. Like, well before, like you know, people were just chilling on their veranda. No, I'm just talking shit. No, you just. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know, but yeah. So if you're ever in North Queensland. Make sure you do not go near the gimpy gimpy plant. It is, uh, it's got broad leaves that are furry mm-hmm. with sawtooth edges, and it also produces mm-hmm. white or purpley ready fruit. So just don't don't let your dog near it. Don't mm-hmm. let your children near <laughs> the dog. it. Yeah, all right, don't I'm let like, your horse near it. I won't let my horse don't near, near it. it. So yeah, when I get a horse and move to Northern Queensland, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Which is, you know, stay. Yeah, that's my first port of call after coronavirus lifts. Get a horse, move to Northern Queensland, and stay away from red and purple fruited, sawtoothed, gimpy, gimpy plants. Yeah, yeah, Fuck that. But yeah, that's just one of the many we've we've discovered. That's what about you? Have you found any gross gross plants? Oh yeah, yes, I have. Okay, so the first one that I found that was gross and interesting was <laughs> um, there's. A fair few plant varieties that are just really stank. Um, in order to ha- <laughs> that's a good reaction. That's the sound that goes with the word stank, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're like designed to attract flies, so they they've evolved to just stank. stank. Just to stank. I've heard of plants that are like smell like rotten fruit. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. rotten meat, sorry. Yes. Yeah. One of them is called um, the 
white slonia from Somalia. Ooh, makes Looks me like sh- a butthole. Makes me shiver. <laughs> <laughs> like, that word just made me shiver and then you said butthole. White slonia. Yeah, yeah, it looks straight Somalia. up like a butthole with hairs on it that wiggle. A hairy butthole. Yeah, it looks wiggles. like a hairy mobile oh, butthole. No. Um, and oh. yeah, it stinks like like dead flesh. Why do the to attract why flies? Why do the hairs wiggle like to attra- like worms or something to attract flies? Or that's just me. Don't know. Cheese. I just it. thought it was a fun fact. Yeah, just bloody Google. Good it. But um, also there's like this interesting Ooh. plant. It doesn't. I don't think it has a. Oh no, it totally does have a smell. I put it in the smelly plants category for a reason. <laughs> um, it's the voodoo lily, and Ooh. what happens with that one is it stanks real bad, but then it stanks more based on like it. It basically heats itself, so it can stink more. It's like got a self-heating ability. Wow! How crazy is that? Voodoo lily. And I love that it's called the voodoo lily. Oh my gosh! If I have a child, if I was going to call a child <laughs> lily, I was I might just call her voodoo lily now. <laughs> After a stank, your child's what? obviously going to be real stank. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. No, Go I, take, I take good care. I take good care. Yeah. Um, but uh, also, I guess that's like my first my first dank plant. Jesus, fact. that's that um, is real dank. The the other dank plant fact I had was I ended up researching a lot of like parasite stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> parasites are just super fascinating because they go to crazy. Also, paras- parasites make up a whole lot of. Again, we're not talking about plants necessarily the whole time here because sometimes they're like fungi or yep. something like that. We're just using a very broad brush to talk about this Well, that botany covers, right? Well, technically not. No. Oh, no. fuck, sorry. I yeah. obviously don't know what I'm talking about. No, it's all good. Which it's is just, true. Like, I, I had in my head that we it would be really fun to talk about, like, mushrooms and algae and bacteria as well. So I've just, uh-huh. I've just decided we're going to talk about it, even yeah, though they're it. not technically plants. It's not technically plant science or botany, but whatever. I won't pull you up for it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to go on. Um, so <laughs> with, the, with parasites, there's a lot of, a lot of organisms in the world are parasites, like a majority, I would say, because if you think about our body, we have a lot of parasitic organisms like in and on us at all times, ones that have like symbiotic relationships with us, Okay. right? Or parasit. sorry, parasitic relationships with us. They mm-hmm. don't have a symbiotic relationship because we don't each get something. They're like... They're parasitic. They're, they're taking, taking something, something yeah. from us, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> with parasites, one that I found really interesting was that there's like a flower that's the largest flower in the world and it's entirely parasitic. I didn't get a measurement for it, I just realised, but it is. it would be like three metres across or so. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's it's only lasts for two weeks Mm -hmm. the plant it comes from has no stems no roots no leaves so it basically like can't be traceable kind of thing it just grows there it just basically it doesn't have a a stem in the ground no it just kind of grows there like airborne airborne spores spore the spore lands it just grows on the ground just like a fucking chair in your that's that's horrifying that's yeah insidious yeah it is insidious (laughs) insidious the movie and it smells like rotting flesh so there you go another step and that's what to just attract flies and Mm -hmm. and like maybe other creatures that would crawl into it and it can just consume that whatever Mm -hmm. yeah and it allows that's horrible because flies pollinate these plants the ones that the ones that stink 
the flies pollinate it. So they basically, it's just their evolutionary tactic to go like, I want to stick around. I'm going to get as many flies as I can. They're going to think it's a dead carcass. They're going to shimmy on over and then they're going to pollinate. The so the flies pollinate it. Mm. They don't, they, the, the flowers doesn't consume the fly. It actually lets it nibble on its juices or whatever and then fly off and pollinate it elsewhere, the, the spores. Yeah, yeah. So what does the – so does it work off of, like, photosynthesis or, this like – plant? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is intriguing. Like, I thought it was, like, one, one of those plants that must have ate the flies, but actually they're they – No, are, not carnivorous. They have a symbiotic relationship. Mm. Yeah, no, no, no. The, the carnivorous ones are the ones that eat shit. Uh, this guy's just purely parasitic, and he just wants to live. He's just, <laughs> <laughs> he's just like clinging on to the life. The poor guy. Like, I didn't ask to be born this yeah, way. Yeah, and like, he's I so didn't stink, and like, flies my best friend. Yeah, and he's just like, he's like not really a part of the. He's not. He's not part of the community. He's just sitting on the community, and um, he's just like, you know, you got to feel a little. Where did the where poor bloke? Where are these? Sorry, it's a red bunny on notes and it made me laugh. <laughs> I'm not going to say what it is. <laughs> okay, well, I'm laughing about a flower coming. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, let me move swiftly on. But, um, yeah, do you know where this plant, like, is situated? Nah, no okay. idea. <laughs> <laughs> a lot to, it leaves a lot to the imagine, imagination. Yeah, I'm just, like, I'm, I'm really into it. providing a little little morsel for you to go away and research, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Google it. Google it. Is that a motto? Mm. Yeah. So... The other interesting parasite that I found was this real, you may have seen it on um, like David Attenborough because this is how I'd heard of it. Mm-hmm. it um, there's this one called a Orpheocordyceps spore and it's a mushroom spore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really fucked. It basically turns an ant into a zombie. It, wow. It, it, inflicts mind control on an ant so this is what happens oh my god the ant steps on the spore right so this it's a it's a fungi yeah it's a fungi so So there's like a Mm -hmm. fungi spore on like the floor of a rainforest or something sure the ant's like (laughs) and then steps on this (laughs) spore oh no and then little ant um the spore multiplies in the muscles and starts to affect the ant's brain. And the mind control part is that all of these ants receive like a message, quote unquote, scientists aren't exactly sure how this happens. Okay. They receive a message to climb out of their nest, mm-hmm. leave the nest mm-hmm. and get to higher ground. So they move to like a leaf mm-hmm. up high. And then once they're there, these spores have multiplied enough in the ant's brain that all of a sudden the head just fucking explodes mm. and out of it is this heinous <gasps> spore thing that is now growing between the ant's head and the ground and the ant becomes... <laughs> mm, the ant's head becomes... The ant's whole head and body becomes, like, fused to the leaf that it's on. Oh, that poor little ant. I know. Oh, my I God, know. that's really fucked up isn't it like that is seems like some science fiction shit and like the purpose is so that the spore gets what to higher ground so it releases spores that way right so it infects another portal land yeah exactly and what is the yeah when they when it explodes it releases spores there's videos of it on youtube they're whack so what's it called it's called a it's called an orpheocordyceps so 
I mean, I'm going to YouTube that. Actually, maybe I won't. Yeah. I don't really like violence, and that sounds really, really... Yeah, it's really brutal. Really brutal. And the interesting part about this mushroom spore is that ants are so intelligent. Yeah. Once they... Um, they must once know. one of them gets word, well, yeah, once one of the community of ants gets word that this is happening, they move, sorry, that this has happened to an ant. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how exactly they know that well, this ant know. stepped on a spore. They just know. But they move that ant out of the community. So they, so like, they're like proactive quarantine steps. Mm-hmm. Oh, that must be so sad yeah, for that one ant and all its friends. Yeah, and being all its like ant mates. I mean, I'm thinking like, of a bug's life. I'm getting, I'm, 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 I'm turning. I'm turning, and yeah. I, there's nothing I can do about it. And like, this is for the greater good of the colony. Dude, if they hadn't have released <sighs> movies such as Ants and Bugs Life, maybe I wouldn't relate to these little guys on such a personal level. But I know we shouldn't be putting human characteristics onto animals like that. But personification, yeah, of English, yeah, but still personification. Oh, anyway, wow. Anyway, so. I've got two more parasitic facts. Please. I'm <laughs> loving it. I love these facts, like, so much. Hell yeah. All right. So this one's heinous as well. They're all gross. Oh, okay. Bring, the the bring next it one. Me. Bring it. The so next bring it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I meant bring it on, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> bring it to me. Um, so this one's called the tongue-eating louse. <laughs> <laughs> you were just about to have a sip of your wine. <laughs> Not human tongue. Bring not human it tongue. to me is all I can Yeah, say. bring it to me. Um, so it's the tongue-eating louse mm-hmm. and what's, what happens is the female, the the lady, <laughs> she she's a powerful queen mm-hmm. and she decides that she's going to eat a fish's tongue and she does it by, like, severing the blood vessels to the fish's tongue. The fish's tongue drops off and then that lady... <laughs> Louse, the lady louse, becomes the fish's new tongue. It adheres and attaches itself to the base of the tongue. Yeah. And that fish then lives with the louse, which looks disgusting, by the Does way. Does the fish know that its tongue is a louse? Um, and also I've got another question. Know. What is a louse? Okay, a louse. <laughs> In case you don't know, I don't know okay. what a louse is. I, I, a louse is like a type of insect. I'm picturing like a shrimp. So yeah, kind of. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of looks like a like a cop, uh, a cockroach <gasps> without its shell. No. Yeah. And so there's pictures of fish with like this fucking. So it doesn't know. In its mouth and it doesn't know. It doesn't know. And what was the purpose of it? Like. Well, it means it just gets to like adhere oh, to something food, that's stronger. It comes into. Yeah. Oh, I guess it, it just feeds off of the. Yeah. That's disgusting. I know it's gross, dude. You need to look at the pictures of it. No, I won't. So I don't gross. think I'll do that. But I've written a note here, girl power. Just wanted to say that. <laughs> Woo. Solidarity. You can be a tongue if you want to be a tongue. You That's can. what this last teaches you. Yeah. You can be anything you want. Okay. Okay. All right. And then um, the last parasitic fact that I wanted to touch on was mm-hmm. um, that there's this um, on a fig tree. Mm-hmm. So, it, like, a fig tree can act in a very parasitic nature by coiling up a, a host tree or, like, another main tree I've in seen a canopy. That. Yeah. Yeah, and that they're, they have such thick, very quick-moving branches that mm-hmm. they form this, like, lattice around um, around the host tree. Mm-hmm. And then they, they cover, they, they wind their way all the way up. They cover that the canopy so they block the host tree from getting any sunlight. Mm-hmm. And then the host tree dies inside it. And so there's this hollow cylindrical 
thing in the middle of the fig tree lattice. Wow. And so if you go into a rainforest, there's like all of these different structures where you'll just see these like lattice like open like tubes yeah. of like it looks like, you know, when you watch MasterChef and they, they make that, like, caramel brittle. Oh. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like that. I was like, what you mean? Yeah. Oh, and I, didn't, I mean, I knew figs were, because they're everywhere, mm. especially in, like, Melbourne and, like, the western suburbs of Adelaide where we're from. Figs oh, yeah. are fucking everywhere. Yeah. And and that makes sense. That yeah, they, they can really. They can just destroy every other plant around them. Yeah, exactly. They're really, they're really feisty, feisty motherfuckers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. Cool. And that's my parasitic facts. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I also, Lise, in my, in my um, research, for a time I got really, really caught up on um, mushrooms because they're just so damn fascinating yeah I and i just i just wanted to touch on them because i thought Please. that i had a couple I, cool facts i really want to like support your Mm. love of mushrooms mm, they're yeah. very interesting so please very t- interesting things. take it away mushies also have a little bit of an alien alien quality to them mm-hmm. like a bit of a strange intelligence i suppose because the more i looked into them um and the more i read like and listen to Paul Stamets' stuff, who's like mushroom daddy. Yes. Um, <laughs> he he's really like the spokesperson for mushies. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, firstly, I didn't know that fungi are more closely related to animals than plants. So intelligence-wise, in terms of their structure mm-hmm. and the way they work, mm-hmm. they actually have a structure that's more similar to animals than plants, which is interesting. Okay. Which is why they're not classified in that plant kingdom. And also that, you know, mushrooms existed like more than, what did he say? He said it was more than 250 million years ago. Um, wow. Fungi, fungi basically inherited Earth after um asteroids hit the earth nice so at that point asteroids hit the earth and then at a certain point um human life basically branched off from fungi so we are an evolved mushroom yeah yeah okay (laughs) yeah that that? is crazy i always thought we were like evolved off of i mean walking fish i think but but they they are evolved off fungi yes they've come Mm. from these origins Mm -hmm. okay yeah so you and me are just mushies sitting here talking about mushies yeah just mushies (laughs) talking about mushies we're super mad we had mushrooms for dinner yeah that's it oh no oh geez tasted good though tasted really really nice michael couldn't got to say yeah great Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so um yeah they're just they're, they're very interesting so after after those asteroids hit it meant that like animal life really attached to the emerging animal life, like really um, attached to and form symbiotic relationships with mushies yeah. a fair bit. So okay. that, that exists a lot now in the world. <laughs> There's like so, so, so many, um, so many mushrooms and um, networks of mushrooms that <laughs> exist like below the ground. Networks of mushrooms. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So, they 90% of plants have a symbiotic relationship with a mushroom that provides it some form of immunity or heat tolerance or some other I've noticed so many mushrooms around like the northern suburbs. 
Mm. Like just underneath like grevillea trees. And I don't know if they have some kind of relationship, but like grevillea trees are like the bottle brush trees. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've seen that there's, they're always below the grevilleas. And I'm like thinking, yeah, like what, what are, are you do doing? For each other? Yeah, what are you doing there? Yeah. Mm. Well, what's probably happened is that there's mushy, there's, there's what they call myce- mycelial networks, right. which are basically like mushroom under- threads under. Under the soil. They're doing something. Like 30% of soil is mycelial networks. Wow, 30%. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like um, like Avatar. Exactly. Yeah. Like As per my film. note here, I wrote in capitals, <laughs> some Avatar shit. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, yeah, like the film when everything's connected. Yeah, so they weren't actually that's bullshitting. Amazing. Yeah. It's They've done their research, like, like us. They have, yeah. <laughs> us and <laughs> like the creators you. of Avatar <laughs> have a lot in common. Um, yeah, it's the next movie's like, coming out soon, by the way. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm ready for it. They had strong environmental themes in that movie. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's been, you know, the last one came out in 2009. Yeah, oh, 11 I know. Because you know what? I created a quiz recently. I did too. Really? Yes, I put that in my quiz. Really? Yes. <laughs> Zoom quiz. Oh. <laughs> Zoom quizzes. I've done like 20. It's too much. It's I know like, so what much. the highest grossing film of all time. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't, though. Was it not? Titanic? No, it was Avengers Endgame. Fuck off. That's so annoying. It was. Do you like that film? I don't think I've ever seen it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Each to their own. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Back to the shrooms. Back to the shrooms. So, back to the shrooms. Just wanted to say, there's a mycelial map in eastern Oregon in America. Mm-hmm. It's made of the honey mushroom and... The these mats communicate with each other really similar to the internet. So mats, so like kind of like these like avatar things under the ground. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay. And what happens is the there's only a single layer of the the wall of the um of the mushroom only has one single layer, which is amazing mm-hmm. because that's minimal protection, but they're still very strong. And scientists were like, how the hell are they staying alive? Like, what's happening to what? How can they, like, how can they remain alive when they've only got one, one. cell mm-hmm. to protect themselves Jeez. against the outside world? And what happens is they act, they act actually as a parasite to trees, mm-hmm. which allow the grass to flourish, which create meadows, which allow elk and deer to feed on it, oh. which allow them to rebuild nitrogen supplies through the poop. And then it perpetuates them even further. So it's just like this full cycle, this mm-hmm. cyclical thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> the honey mushroom. The honey shroom. Honey, do, 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 do. Oh, honey shroomy. <laughs> I'm doing a, uh, like, uh, what's it called? Um, not TikTok dance. What's that one? Um, I couldn't tell you what you're doing right now. You know now. what all the kids, you know what all the kids do? The robot? No, no, no. <laughs> From what people can't see what she's doing right now, but I can't explain it. It's, it's like, not a TikTok. No, no, no. It's like that that um that game that like that kids are not meant to play. Hi toy? No, not high toy. I have no that idea. It's very two thousand and eight of you. Look, we'll, we'll come back to that. We'll come back. I'm not sure. We'll come back anyway. But, but for now, should we um, you know, bring it back to the millennials? Bring it back to we should. You know, like. The houseplant, the houseplant craze that is happening right now and has been, what, for the last decade? Yeah, let's do it. And let's do it. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so. (laughs) (laughs) You waste no time. No. 
Let's get right down to it. Okay, yeah. so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a pretty brief history of houseplants and how they came to feature mm. in our homes, mm-hmm. um, in our modern day homes. So, houseplants they can be traced back first to Neolithic origins, back mm. in 10,000 BC before Christ. What is Neolithic? I don't know what Neolithic means, but um, I guess it was the Neolithic origin. Oh, yeah. I don't know. But it was when humans started domesticating crops and they started to, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, domesticate crops for their own purposes. Mm -hmm. Props? Crops. (laughs) (laughs) Why do I always talk when we're, like, quarter way through, like, three quarters through a bottle of tawny? I know. I need to get you on early because I'm like, that's so I can't talk at the best of times, but anyway. It's fine. It's fine. So, um, yeah, they started to domesticate crops um, for their own sort of human needs and purposes. Mm -hmm. But the earliest recording of plants for human aesthetic enjoyment, for human aesthetic purposes, Mm -hmm. um, in the home were the hanging gardens of Babylon. And Babylon... Mm, I think I've heard of that. Yeah, it's like like, um, one of the ancient wonders of the world. Um, And Mm. it's found... Oh, that's another quiz topic in my quiz. No wonder I've heard of it. Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, Babylon is found in modern-day Iraq, actually. Mm. Um, so the story goes, there's a lot of dispute over whether it's actually a real place or not, mm-hmm. but the story goes that in around 600 BC in the city of Babylon, mm-hmm. the king at the time uh, had commissioned the gardens for his wife and she was from ancient Persia. So the climates were a little bit different and she really missed the green foliage and all the mm-hmm. plants and all the animals of her birthplace. So, you know, good guy king felt bad for his wife and he commissioned the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Awesome. Yeah, and he had, like, you know, it had a ton of massive hanging plants, date trees, oh. colourful flowers, like pretty trees. Good it was just, work. like, a really nice place, oh. apparently. So nice. so the story goes. So. Yeah. It became one of the ancient wonders of the world. Um, mm-hmm. But after Babylon, houseplants started showing up in the homes of wealthy Egyptians, Greeks, and Romans around 500 to 400 BC. Mm-hmm. Um, but around the same time, mini plants like bonsai and other forms of like miniature gardening mm. was showing up in Vietnam, China, and Japan around a similar time. And like, oh, that's so you early. Have, didn't you have a bonsai plant? Yeah, I still there? do. Do you still have it? Yeah. Yeah. So bonsai for people, I mean, everyone knows what bonsai is, but maybe if you don't, mm. it's like miniature, I guess it's like manicuring a plant mm-hmm. to mimic like a full-size plant, normally mm-hmm. a tree. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And the oldest bonsai in the world is actually, from what I can find, is actually almost a thousand years old. Whoa. A thousand-year-old cool. bonsai tree, and it's found in the museum, um, uh, the Bonsai Museum in Crespi, Italy. Mm. But I couldn't actually find the origin of it, like where it's actually from. Mm. Like not Japan or anything No, like because that. it's been in Italy for like hundreds of years and they've had like oh. monks manicuring it for all these like years. Whoa. But before, I couldn't find like where it actually originated. Maybe it was originally Italy. I don't know. I was reading somewhere that, um, that Bonsai is less about the tree and like you said, kind of more about the technique mm. that I've gone to call our tree here a bonsai and it's like oh actually no that's not a bonsai the species is not a bonsai no it's, it's like more the about actual the technique yeah mm. like it's like the practice of bonsai cool i think yeah 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 but anyway so after after then after the fall of the roman empire you know a lot of the wealthy people became poor mm-hmm. probably that's what google said anyway yeah we'll <laughs> take your word for it mrs goose so really only like monks and that were keeping houseplants for like food purposes like fruit and nuts so, yeah, like, no okay. one was really keeping, like, 
cute plants anymore. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was during the European Renaissance period that house plants really took off again because people, well, the wealthy, were wealthy again. And they were like, how am I going to show off? Like, how much money I have? I'm going to buy yeah. lots of house plants and like yeah. beautiful flowers and orchids and all that. Mm-hmm. So it is a very lavish way to show your wealth. Dude, if I have a bit of extra cash, I'm like, let's buy a bouquet. Yeah, because oh, it's just nice. 100%. It's like something like you don't buy for yourself very often unless like you've got a bit of extra cash or it's your birthday or something. Yeah, if you waltz in here and I've got like a fresh posy, oh. it's like, oof, damn, bitch got paid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's what these people during the Renaissance were doing, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until the Victorian era when mm. houseplants actually started showing up in the homes of the middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was because of the Industrial Revolution, mm. which I think is just fascinating because mm. the Industrial Revolution allowed for better houses to be built. Mm. It allowed for houses that were heated and had a lot more natural light. So obviously that's, mm. you know, going to bring with it plants in the home and growing mm. things, growing fruit, it's whatever. It's like a greenhouse. Yeah. Like it became... It became like became a more, more like the modern houses. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, of course, like during that time there was heaps of like books for gardening and botany and they were becoming like mm. more easily accessible. Mm-hmm. So people were reading those as well. But I guess our modern era that we have now, mm-hmm. um, it you know, houseplants didn't really take off until after World War II okay. with the rise of modern office spaces. So, like, the rise of these modern office spaces really spurred the development of indoor plants and house plants, Mm. and that naturally, like, sort of migrated into people's homes as well. So that's Mm. sort of where we are now, and I think it is so interesting. Like, I think, you know, I... You don't look at a plant on your coffee table or your windowsill and think about, like, where it's come from or, like, yeah. what steps it took to get there. Well, not yeah. that not that plant specifically didn't take any steps, but, like, yeah, like but all like of the, the things that went into it. Or the cultural and Yeah, like the cultural, like, significance so. of that plant being there. Mm-hmm. Like, I especially found, like, the Industrial Revolution bit, like, so fascinating because, is. like, just because houses were built to be better yeah that like plants became a part of like everyday life and it's all it's such a timing thing it's like okay societally there were more books mm-hmm. that were available to the common person people were learning how to read being yeah. educated mm-hmm. amazing and i i um think of it like you know that scene in like um devil wears prada oh, where yeah. miranda's like oh, yeah. you think you chose that jumper because you were you know you didn't want to be part of the fashion industry but in fact that sweater was picked for you for the, by the people in this room. Yeah. And that is exactly what our house plants are. Oh. It was been pick, it's been picked by the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, like all of these things. But look. Um, Next time you go to water your little house, your little peace lily, think of that. Think of that. Think that of, like, the Industrial Revolution and think of, like, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon and, yeah. and uh, all that stuff. But I think um, yeah. house plants in general, like, I feel like, when we were growing up, like we're children of the nineties, houseplants mm. were not popular. I don't think, right? No. I mean, my parents weren't trendy. I don't know about yours. I think I remember my mum getting houseplants when I was probably like high school, like a couple, a couple, right? Like a fern, a, a couple, a couple of ferns or two. And you know, you know, I think that I think there was a lot of like. Um, outdoor gardening culture 
Yes. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. always been That's always been a but thing. like indoor. Bringing yeah, indoor. not so much. I feel like um my parents had like those really dry like bits of grass or something. But mm. like actual like house plants, I don't remember seeing them growing up, not in mm. any of my friends' houses. So I kind of thought you know, mm. why? Like when were – because I feel like in the 70s, like there was this big sort of thing around houseplants. So yeah. I thought, I'll do some research and it seems that this sort of style of houseplants and and the species and all that, it's exactly the same as it was in the 70s. Like I was researching mm. like old Women's Day – Women's Day – um magazines yeah and like amazing was, covers yeah by the amazing way. covers on etsy you can buy them and they like from 1978 i found one I and it looks like it could it. be i do think you need to buy it yeah it looks Ooh. like it could be printed now like Ooh. it's the same same copious amount of plants same species and like it just seems like jungles like yeah 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 and it just i just wonder i don't know why there was that sort of gap in between yeah there was a bit of a dip where there wasn't like the love of house plants like uh, do you think that at that point it just became more of a societal everything comes back around thing kind of like you know just fashion. like a general fashion trend and also like is it now like is it coming back around now for millennials because mm. none of us you know not, not all not none of us but a lot of us are having children later mm-hmm. we don't have the same responsibilities mm-hmm. and therefore we can have like plant Matt's children plants. plant babies yeah and plants like, like is that, i feel like it's one of those things where people don't People are always like, oh, you're getting a pet. You know, that's a practice baby yeah. and shit like that. But plants, I feel like the plant is the is the precursor to that. Where, like, people that really young people, mm-hmm. like kids in primary school and high school, generally do not have houseplants. It's like when you're ready for a certain amount of responsibility, you get houseplants, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whether it's that kind of aspect of I didn't of have any too. plants until I moved out of home, yeah. I don't think. No, neither. No, but... Yeah. That's the thing. And, like, um, the Australian houseplant industry, because mm-hmm. there is such a thing now, is actually worth an estimated $1.3 billion. Whoa. Yeah. Holy And shit. growing. Yeah. Because oh, no one's having growing. babies and we're all going into depression. So yeah. Everybody's like, I'm just going to be a plant lady and just yeah. take care and nurture my plant babies and name them all. But, yeah, it's super interesting. Do and you name your houseplants? No, I don't. Do you? No. But I know a lot of people that do name their house. But I did buy a huge monster. I told you that, didn't I? Is he worthy of a name? I, I or think are it's you a still she. just not. Yeah, yeah okay. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I just call her like um, big monster. Like she's just <laughs> so big. BM. Like she. That's what kind of what you know spurred on this episode a little bit. That gigantic plant. The purchase of that for me, anyway. Yeah, that's true. It's fucking huge. Like it's just. Yeah, the fact that it takes up your whole lounge room. Yeah, we had to really navigate. A space for it. Yeah, she deserves a name, I reckon. Uh, uh, Maybe Wilma? I think she's more of a sass queen than that. Okay. <laughs> but we'll work with Yeah, her. she is. She's like, I'm taking up space. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Yeah. yeah. Miranda, that's what I'll call her. Miranda. Like, from Devil's Prada. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so good. All right. Sweet. Sweet. So. Houseplants, can they fill the void? Like, seems like houseplants. For me, look, this is the thing. I am part of the camp of if I was left to my own devices, I would probably kill all of our houseplants. I think I'm in that camp of people. Mm-hmm. If, But I have, thankfully, a housemate that is very, very good at looking after and caring for and nurturing plants diligently and with a lot of love and care. Yeah. For me, they fill the void even though I'm not the primary carer of them. How about, 
How about you? I, I think they fill my, my void too. <laughs> nasty i think they feel <laughs> my personal void to a degree like i i really do feel quite whole when i my plants are surviving and they're happy and and healthy but you know i've got a lot of other shit too that they can't yeah you know they can't help me with yeah that's true but, but you know what but a temporary void you know they do they feel. yeah and i feel like there's so much to do with them as well like you can if you wanted to go totally ham on them, mm-hmm. you could be fertilizing. You could be putting putting your like sea salt spray on there, the seaweed, the seaweed spray. Mm-hmm. You could be like dusting down their leaves to make sure they can photosynthesize. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of man hours that can go into it, and I think that they do fill the void for a lot of people. I think it's very therapeutic. Like it I is. used to do a lot of um, gar- it's exercise. Yeah, gardening, like um, fruit and veg gardening. You know, mm. at our old house. Yeah. Right? fucking could get lost in that shit yeah it's great for, for ages like yeah. reading and just like looking at plants yeah. i haven't so much since i've been back here um because i don't have like a veggie garden well, there's no yeah there's no like yeah. plots of land yeah we were lucky we had this yeah. massive lisa and i used to live together we had this massive backyard with, yeah like, a veggie patch and stuff yeah, yeah. It was sick i really i could that really filled my void not really, but <laughs> actually entirely feel bad for it. Not at all. But, hey, maybe for others. I think it does. I think I genuinely think it does for a lot of people. <laughs> I think that sums it up. We've come to the end of this episode of Caught in the Minutia. Yep. We've answered the question, do houseplants peel the Peel the void. Peel the void. We've had a couple of glasses of uh, tawny again, and we have. And my yeah. cheeks are red. Your cheeks are red. Yeah, my cheeks are so red. I can. I'm very flushed. I can feel it. Um, and also, I just wanted to note that that dance that I was struggling to remember yes. was Fortnite. Yeah, I'm so glad you figured that out. Just for people that were hanging on, hanging on, on, hanging on a thread. Oh God! Dance. Oh God! What is it? Yeah, um, we will see you again on the next episode of Caught in the Minutia with Stess and Lise. Thanks, guys. Bye. See ya.